we'll uh, we'll get things going. And uh, but most importantly, welcome and good morning. And good morning to the best morning and hopefully the best Sunday of your life. I'm going to do the best that I can to make sure that happens. We'll talk about that in positive energy and a, a number of issues uh, that are on uh, ongoing. And uh, this is the Freedom Coffee live stream where we work on and celebrate the freedoms that we have and we work on expanding those freedoms in the future. And how do we do that? How do we do that? One very simple way. We have coffee. And like everybody else in the world, we just talk about how we're going to fix all the world's problems and that's hopefully miraculously that's what happens. So a good morning to all of you. Um, and step two is the positive mindset. And we're going to focus on that as we're talking about some of this stuff. Good morning, Megan, uh, Beth, Rutan, and Guillaume, and everybody who's coming in. I appreciate you guys being here. Um, today's theme. We're going to have a theme today. Are you excited? Today's theme <laughs> is going to be, it takes one to five years to find out the truth about any political event. I posted a tweet about that a little while ago. And uh, that point has, I believe it's very accurate and salient. And we're starting to see some of that. We're only what, we're a year and a half out from, uh, from the Freedom Convoy, approximately. And already there's just a mountain of information uh, of what was going on behind the scenes uh, during the Freedom Convoy, some of the issues and why some of the issues occurred. And uh, we're going to talk about a few of those things uh, today. But uh, first, uh, a couple of things. First thing, uh, have you ever lost a dog? Uh, I have, you know, when I was a kid. We had uh, family dogs. My parents still have family dogs. So a shout out to Cheryl, who won't be here today, who's often here in these streams. Uh, she lost uh, her dog, Miss Daisy, uh, who was 17 years old. Imagine. Imagine 17 years with your dog um, who becomes kind of, you know, it's the bond between a dog and a human. It becomes your best friend. It becomes somebody who understands uh, your emotions. It's that, you know, it, it's something that goes back to millennial. It's part of the human experience. And uh, I think that's why so many of us are so gutted when we lose a uh, man's best friend, that sort of thing. But uh, it's really the epitome of the bond of friendship. Um, on that topic, uh, you know, Tamara Leach did an interview with Jordan Peterson, but <laughs> friendship. We'll get to that a little bit later. But something else I, I wanted to ask uh, all of you. Have you noticed that nothing is open anymore? Is it just me? Is everything just closed? Everything just shuts down. There, remember it used to be, there used to be a time, I don't know, two years ago before COVID, where things would be open for 24-7 uh, and uh, or they would be opening, I don't know, before, you know, 12 o'clock to 4 o'clock on uh, on a Sunday. Like, it's it's really quite crazy uh, the degree that things are closed right now. I don't know. I just, uh, I can't be the only one who's noticing that. And, like, really inconvenient to the point that there's things that you just kind of, you know, need to go a reasonable hour because we're all, we're all working and everything is closed all of a sudden. I don't know. If you've, uh, if you've seen the same thing, uh, let me know. Uh, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> this is funny. 
<laughs> uh, Megan, I lost two cats and just recently in March, my cat's uh, Stewie. Sorry, I'm very sorry about that, Megan. So you understand. Yeah, and I think that pertains not just to dogs, cats as well. Um, and, uh, you know, in the, in the case of Jessie with uh, her birds as well, like we all get attached to our animals that show us affection. So, uh, so I get it. Uh, Beth says, uh, many businesses are having a hard time finding competent and qualified employees to keep their business open uh, to pre-COVID hours. Well, yeah, there you go. That's what CERB and free money from, uh, from the government does, I guess, unfortunately. You know, it's funny you mention that. There's so many times when I was down in the U.S. after F everything was lifted, after there were no more restrictions... And, you know, you go to a Dunkin' Donuts and there's no, which is where I go. I've done some videos on that. Um, when I'm in the U.S., I go to a Dunkin' Donuts to grab coffee in the morning uh, before my trip back to, um, hey, Jesse, you're here, uh, before my, my trip back to Canada. And I, many times I saw a sign there saying, sorry, we can only uh, serve people in the drive-thru and uh, I pulled the manager aside and wanted them because there's only two people working there or three people working there and I'm like I have an 18-wheeler like I don't know if I can fit in your drive-thru she's like we just can't get people she's like I, I just don't have employees anymore it's uh it's really weird so um yeah, there you go uh, Rocky heard Ben's voice and perked up <laughs> okay well thank you Rocky uh good morning and Rocky I hope you're taking care uh, I hope you're taking care of Jen, um, and sorry, Jess. And um, anyways, uh, that was uh, it's something that I've noticed is everything is is shut down, and uh, they're not open the way they were before. So it's uh, it's kind of frustrating. I can't be the only one. Um, but anyways, so that's um, you know that's just something that I've been observing a lot in the United States. All right, into the uh, the politics of what's going on. Some really funny stuff. I'm sure some of you saw Justin Trudeau, <laughs> our our favorite blackface prime minister, Justin Trudeau, um, <laughs> was at the Calgary Stampede in Calgary, Alberta. And for those of you who are from the United States, the Calgary Stampede. Uh, it's an event that's held in Calgary. Calgary was largely settled by Texans, so it's very that uh, rural country western uh, culture. That's what the culture is in most of Alberta. And as it is in most of Mexico and most of Latin America, by the way, which uh, people don't often don't know. Um, so Justin Trudeau was there, and he was uh, asked to help flip some pancakes and cook some pancakes. And wouldn't you know it, the guy is such a fuck up, he can't even flip pancakes. Like, he takes and throws it up, so like, <laughs> he thinks it's a burger. Just goes to show the type of silver spoon that kid has had uh, growing up his entire life. You can tell he has never once ever flipped a pancake or anything. Like, he's never done anything. It was, it was absolutely hysterical. And, I, you know, the first thought that occurred to me is I would feel very worried for whoever you know, set up that stove or, um, or hot top uh, and invited him to cook because they now run the danger of having their bank accounts frozen and uh, being labeled a misogynist and racist and white supremacist and all that stuff. So I would be, I'd be very worried. You see how much we become like, I don't know, Venezuela or North Korea, that like you offend the leader, the leader, 
and everybody uh, starts to get worried that, oh, you might have your bank accounts frozen. <laughs> you know, I remember when Justin Trudeau um, uh, was elected. Oh, what a dark day in history. But their campaign slogan, uh, which was better than, than our slogan and the Conservatives, because we have nothing but losers running our Digicom. And uh, the hashtag that they were running was <laughs> hashtag real change. <laughs> well, I guess he delivered. <laughs> we got real change to Canada. So, uh, anyways, <laughs> it was hysterical. Um, something else that was interesting that happened as well that, that popped up on my feed. Oh, my God. Co holy coffee through those damn it, Ben. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, he was uh, disrespectful showing, late, showing up late for uh, and stayed for five minutes, uh, Julie. Well, of course, uh, but he's not the only one. All the politicians do that. Yeah, most of them. The ones who aren't good at retail politicians, they just swing by for photo op, which is, by the way, what Candace Bergen was trying to do to us during the Freedom Convoy on February 4th. Uh, you'll notice with me, I'm always going to talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about, all the establishment are trying to hide and bury. I, I have nothing to hide. I'm, I'm not running for seeking office, nor will I ever in my life, so I can be completely honest with all of you, right? But yeah, on February 4th, uh, Candace Bergen contacted us. And I remember I was in Tamara's hotel room uh, in the Ark before we shifted over to the Sheridan. And um, uh, I, I don't know, I thought it was Tim, but I don't know who, somebody from the plane from hell uh, said, oh, yeah, yeah, Candace Bergen wants to meet with us. And they were, everybody in the room was like, oh, great, let's, uh, let's meet. And I just, you know, the one who kind of knows how this party works, I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait. <laughs> Meet where? where? Where does she want to meet? And they said, oh, she wants to meet at the A&W down the street. And I'm like, no, no, we're not doing that. And I said to Tamara, no, you call her back, have them call her back and tell Candace if she wants to come and meet with us, she can come through the back door of the hotel, come up to this hotel room and tell us what she can do for us. Other than that, we don't want to meet with her. So tell her that. And uh, lo and behold, we didn't get a response, right? And that same night, I think it was that night, Candace, there was a late session of Parliament to discuss the truckers. And Candace came out of uh, Parliament, uh, out of the chamber, and there was a media scrum. And what did she say? She said, uh, you know, the Conservative Party's here for you. We, we love the truckers. We support the truckers. Um, but it's time to go home. And I turned to, uh, there was a couple of them, I think, in, in my hotel room or wherever we were. I can't remember where we were positioned. But I turned and I said, ha see? You see? See? What would have happened if Candace made that speech with a bunch of truckers and us standing behind her? Then we would have zero, zero political capital. We would have been screwed. And that should have been, you know, the first, I, I mean, it was a warning, but you didn't really know how it was working, that they're all kind of, the political class was working together to try to end uh, the podcast, the podcast, the, uh, the protest. And uh, yeah, so it was, um, anyways, I don't know how I got onto that, that tangent, but you know, there's, uh, there's a lot more always that's going on behind the scenes, as you can tell. Uh, hold on, what's front, what's my, 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 okay. I, I don't want to lose locals because I got uh, a few of you in here. And, uh, and by the way, if you follow on locals, you, your comments, you can also post memes and pictures and call me bad names all you want, all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> um, oh, Will, hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? 
Uh, Vegas never closes. Is that still the case? I hope so. You know, because New York is definitely not like that now. And Toronto, for sure. Toronto is just, just a dead city now. So I guess the, the communists got their wish, right? They, they put in... It, it's so infuriating here. You can't... You, you really can't drive in this city. And I'm not being hyperbolic in this case. Uh, where half of the streets have been... Had 50% of their traffic flow reduced. And uh, now we want... It, it's, it's not quite like Mexico City. But it's starting to get that feel if you've ever... Um, uh, if you've ever driven in Mexico City, it is uh, an adventure. And um, yeah. anyways, this was interesting. Everybody's favorite president. Uh, speaking of the 4th of July, Will, this is for you, brother. Uh, <laughs> so we know uh, the Russian-Ukraine uh, 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 money laundering scheme, I mean war, uh, has not been going well for, I guess, anybody, it seems. And Joe Biden was caught on a hot mic. I don't, I don't know if it was um, in the lower house or the Senate, but he was uh, caught on a hot mic. He was walking out. And Joe, once again, said uh, the, loud, the, the quiet part out loud. And he said, uh, yeah, we've run out of ammunition. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> is, is that what you're trying to tell Putin, Joe? <laughs> And it, it, it reminded me right away, and I posted it in, uh, on Twitter. Remember that quote from leading up to the election from Barack Obama? Never underestimate Joe's ability to fuck up. <laughs> well, there you go. So good. Um, Julie says, the most dangerous thing in Mexico is the traffic was there last week. I th I'd say it's the second most dangerous. The most dangerous might be the cartels, but you really got to be... Like, you're not going to see that in areas like Polanco. But if you go to, you know, the outskirts of, Guadala of uh, Guadalajara and Leon, Aguascalientes, then, yeah, you'll see sort of that. But I'm going to say it's the number two. It's the number two. But um, why were you there? Why were you in Mexico City? Uh, Mexico is uh, awesome. By the way, if you've never been to Mexico, you got to go. It is. The people are amazing. Uh, not on the resort. The people on the resort are a little bit. You know, they're rude to the Mexicans as well. I remember when I lived there many years ago, um, my, uh, my ex-girlfriend, her friends would not, they hated going to the Yucatan, to Cancun and stuff, because they were Mexican and they could speak Mexican Spanish. Everybody who worked in the hotels would automatically uh, assume they couldn't afford to pay. <laughs> That's just kind of the, the friction amongst Mexicans in uh, Mexico. But it is a, but other than that, it is a beautiful place. Uh, Guanajuato is one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been. It was amazing. Medical. Okay, well, I hope you're okay. Um, I want Mexican things, so when y'all go, let me know. You know what we should do? Like a party in Mexico. That would be great. Do like some sort of big event, some freedom event in Mexico. Because despite the fact that AMLO is the uh, president, he's actually been pretty good on freedom. You know, yeah, they had some restrictive laws around COVID, but they, you know, typical Mexicans, they, unlike the Canadians, know that the government's full of crap, so they don't even bother to listen, right? Um, but anyways, it's very refreshing being there. So yeah, Joe said the, uh, the quiet part out loud, and I guess, does that mean the war's over? Like, is, we're, we're just, they're just hanging out now, nobody's got any bullets? Like, how do you fight a war without bullets? I would like to know how that works. Um, 
I'm supposed to have a vaccine injured. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Julie. That's, uh, I'm, I'm very sorry. Well, much like I said, you know, when you talk about vaccine injuries, the theme of today when I started is it takes one to five years for the truth about any political event to come out. Well, that's an example of it, right? We're, I don't know, a couple of years after, no, we're a year after the, let's say the end of the COVID or a year and a half after the, let's say the year and a half after the uh, Freedom Convoy. I think the Freedom Convoy was the end of uh, all the COVID crap. It just, you know, for, for, to save face, the political classes in the United States and Canada had to wait enough time so uh, they could say, oh, it had nothing to do with the Freedom Convoy. But the Freedom Convoy really ended all the COVID stuff. So we're, what, a year away from the end of the Freedom Convoy. And now we see uh, amongst, I don't know, the legacy outlets, there's at least some movement in starting to acknowledge that there were some issues around... Um, the, uh, oh, I forgot, I'm, I'm on YouTube, around the Cervasa sickness medicine. Can I even say uh, what it was on YouTube now at this point? I don't know. But uh, Cheryl, Pres Cheryl, how you doing, sweetheart? I was talk I started off this morning talking about uh, Daisy May, and uh, all the best to you, and I hope you're well. Uh, you're amongst friends here. We all love you, so I will never replace uh, Daisy May, but you can talk about it here. And uh, I post, I hope you don't mind that I posted uh, a picture of Daisy May on Twitter. Um, anyways, so uh, never understate, underestimate Joe Biden's uh, ability to fuck up. <laughs> Barack Obama. <laughs> um, who wants to talk about fake news? You want to talk about, a little bit about fake news? Um, vaccine injured. Uh, I'm just looking through all your comments here. You know what's nice? There's no no people here with just all capitals, which is great. Everybody here is polite. I'm sure that's going to change eventually as I'm going to today spark the trolls and the trolls, many of whom who are funded by the political establishment. So I'm sure they'll start coming in here and I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. It's so good. It's so good when they get so angry. <laughs> um, okay, the CBC. Everyone's favorite fake news. Uh, the CBC uh, posted an article this week about um, the four guys that were arrested in, in Coots. We'll talk about that in a second. But, um, well, I mean, the short version is I don't want to get into too much detail because there's, listen, this is a case that is very serious and I don't want to muddy the waters at all. But the, um, there are four guys who are arrested for conspiracy, insurrection, uh, white supremacy, having the wrong opinion, and not being gender fluid. I think that's what they were arrested for, is it not? And they've been sitting in, j in jail. Uh, hey, Trish. They've been sitting in jail now for what, since the convoy? For a year and a half. And um, I don't know who these people are. I know a lot of people in the community in uh, Alberta know exactly who they are. Everybody's very, very upset and wants some action and doesn't want political prosecutions, which is what they see it as. And, you know, political prosecutions, uh, we seem to be singularly focused in that direction. Well, what about these four guys in Coots? I mean, you had the, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save that for Greg Staley, and I'll explain that in a second. But it was really kind of disturbing uh, some of the people who 
I don't know, did they set them up in coots? I don't know. I have no idea. But that seems to be what everybody claims. But the, my point here with the CBC, the CBC uh, posted an article and the, the headline or the, the, the headline of the article basically was inferring that the, pro, the prosecutor, so the uh, Crown Attorney, felt political pressure uh, to prosecute by the Premier's office to prosecute people at the Coots border. So there was political pressure, right? We were talking about political uh, trials here, right? And having uh, political prisoners. So there's political pressure from the Premier's office put on the prosecutor. That's what the prosecutor is complaining. He's saying, I felt political pressure from the Premier uh, to prosecute this case. Um, means, means he was threatened. He was threatened his career if he didn't prosecute it. That's what happens behind the scene. That's how it works. I question, um, you know, first thing, the first thing is, uh, I, I, I don't know. The, how, should I, how should I approach this? Well, I guess the first question is, who was premier of Alberta during the Freedom Convoy? Was it... Uh, Justin Trudeau? Was it Justin Trudeau? Was Justin Trudeau the premier of Alberta when this prosecutor felt political pressure to charge these guys at, Coots, at the Coots border? Was that Justin? Was that Alberta premier Justin Trudeau? Somebody help me out who that was. I'm not sure who that was. I, I think it was the Liberal Party premier of Alberta, Justin Trudeau. Is, is that who was prosecuting these people who are as many people in the community think, political prisoners? Who did that? Who did that? Because everything I found, I try to search it, and I get uh, everybody screaming about Justin Trudeau and um, this liberal premier, Justin Trudeau. Can somebody explain that to me? Like, I'm confused. I'm, I'm confused. All I hear is Trudeau, 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 Trudeau. There's one guy here, <laughs> the pain in the ass, who keeps talking about how Doug Ford enacted the EMA two days before Trudeau. But nobody wants to talk about that for some reason. And then you have this liberal premier, Justin Trudeau, who was uh, putting political pressure on the prosecutor. What's, what's going on? Justin Trudeau's, Trudeau's everywhere. How does this work? Um, oh, wait. I'm wrong. According to Beth here on Locals, thank you, Beth. This is what I love about this. When I don't know the answer to stuff, I can ask you guys and we can all help each other and you can better inform me. Uh, thank you, Beth. Beth says, no, it was um, the conservative premier, Jason Kenney. The conservative premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney, was the one who put political pressure on the prosecutor to prosecute the four people at the Coots border. Hmm, but we got to scream about Trudeau all the time. We're not allowed to do that. We have to just brainwash people. Trudeau, 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 Trudeau. It can't be, uh, the it can't be a conservative that did that. Wait, wait, huh? I don't understand. It's just really frustrating. But anyways, um, this is my nonpartisan political stuff. Is I'm trying to show that you know I, I just like truth. I don't like games, and uh, this is a game that they're playing, and it, it's really frustrating. 
Um, and you know what? So that's the first thing that's frustrating. The second thing is, as some of you know, I produce a podcast called Not On Record with um, uh, criminal lawyer uh, Joseph Newberger, who's a very well-respected criminal lawyer in Toronto, and Diana Davison, who's a very well-known... Uh, she was a very well-known uh, men's rights activist who has become a legal researcher and works with Joe together. And so I'm around these criminal cases all the time and talking to them and learning about them and all that sort of stuff. And you know what's really frustrating is, so these guys who felt political pressure from Alberta Premier, liberal Alberta Premier Justin Trudeau or Jason Kenney, I don't know, I'm still confused. Um, they, there was political pressure to arrest these guys and I guess they've been not denied bail, they're not allowed, they're, they're guilty of conspiracy, insurrection, white supremacy, um, anti-gender fluid, and having the wrong opinions. That's, that's what they're guilty of. And they've been in jail for now, what, a year and a half, uh, yet gangbangers and violent criminals who are actually using guns to shoot people, they're actually using them, they get off and frequently get bail within 24 hours. So you have the guys who we think were, uh, people claim that they were framed. And I do remember, we dealt with the, with the Freedom Convoy. They were trying to send a truck to set up uh, full of uh, weapon or something like that. I, I, I don't remember the details. I have it in all my notes. But we were being set up and we dealt with it really quickly. And I guess the same thing in Coots uh, happened, but they weren't prepared for it. Um, and the, the claim is that the, the, there were guns that were planted or something. I, I don't know the details. And again, I don't want to muddy the waters for the case. Um, but it seems to be the best way to do it. The best way to ensure you don't get um, politically targeted in Canada is join a gang. I suggest the Crips or the Bloods. I don't know if we have MS-13 here yet or not, but just join a gang. Um, Start engaging in extortion and drug distribution in your community. And then when you shoot somebody, you're going to be out within 24 hours. You're going to be fine. Don't worry. We'll, we'll take care of you. I think that's the way we avoid political prosecution in Canada, right? Um, uh, Ward, hey, BJ, how goes, brother? Hey, how you doing, man? It's good to see you, too. My life has been so crazy the past month um, speaking at different events, and I'm finally going to try to get back into this stuff because there's a lot of stuff going on thanks for coming brother i appreciate it um so yeah there you go i, I think that's the that's how we can avoid political prosecution in canada just join a gang uh get involved in uh narcotics distribution and when you're when you're caught with a gun actually shoot somebody and then you won't be prosecuted right <laughs> um yeah, Jesse, good point. Uh, not just the guns. Look at the guy in the TTC that stabbed another guy. Yeah, I think he was a white supremacist, right? Right? White supremacist. <laughs> Clown world. Whatever you do, the rule of Canada is do not trust your lying eyes. No matter what you do. Whatever you see, you're not seeing. Wasn't that the policy of uh, in the USSR? I don't know. Pretty much. Uh, Miss Cheryl, you're making a laugh. I uh, get me in a gang. Well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should all just all join gangs. What do you th What do you think is better, the the, uh, the the club, the 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 Bloods or the Crips? I don't know. I'm thinking more MS13 because I speak. I want to work on my Spanish. 
And the best way to work on Spanish is to use it every day. So maybe if I can just join the Latino gangs that are operating now in Canada because they're helping the narco traficos come into Vancouver and distribute fentanyl across Canada, uh, maybe I can just join them to practice my Spanish, right? <laughs> Let's all do that. Uh, all right. <laughs> Listen, the only way to enjoy clown world is laugh at it, right? And at least the good part is people are starting to wake up slowly, right? All right, so um, the next topic on today's theme, and the theme is, just to remind you, it takes one to five years to find out the truth about any political event, right? Um, <laughs> the, um, there was an interview there was an interview with Jordan Peterson and uh, Tamara Leach. Uh, Beth says new FC. Oh, new no. <laughs> Beth puts up new FC gang, Freedom Convoy gang, full of truckers, ranchers, and farmers. Uh, let's not encourage them, <laughs> please, please. It's like when I spoke at the Bitcoin conference and Foss and Lepard, They did this the funniest, the best uh, presentation on fiscal policy and what's happened to the devaluation of the dollar and all that sort of stuff. But it was really entertaining. It was funny how they, they did it. And at the end, they put, you know, and, uh, you know, we got to fight for freedom and the truckers and they have, uh, you know, uh, they put my face up and they're like, yeah, you know, BJ's Canada's uh, William Wallace. And uh, just because of the amount of communication and organization and, and uh, stuff that I was trying to help with to keep everybody peaceful. And I was the Bitcoiner. I was the only one who understood Bitcoin there, right? And um, so they're like, yeah, William Wallace. And I'm like, oh, I love you guys. You're so great. So I come up to the podium and I'm like, you know, guys, I love you and I can't thank you enough. But let's not encourage the government. Right? It didn't work out all that well for... For William Wallace, I, I want us all to focus on being peaceful and getting over this hump and getting us all our freedoms back and get the extremists who are involved in politics out of office, get reasonable, boring people back into get regular corrupt liberals again, uh, get regular corrupt uh, conservatives again who aren't going to, you know, uh, become demagogues and just focus on the betterment of Canada. So let's let's not encourage them. Right. So. Uh, Jordan Peterson had uh, an interview with uh, Tamara. Now, I got to preface this by saying um, I haven't watched uh, any of uh, Tamara's interviews. Didn't even watch her POAC testimony. There's some reasons for that, but my own sanity is, uh, is part of that. But anyways, um, I haven't watched any of that stuff, but I've had a number of people send me information tell me what's going on send me pages from uh, she has a book that came out send me some pages from the book saying hey wait a minute what about this i'm like i don't know i don't know i don't know where they came to that conclusion but whatever uh, i guess it's all subjective right and uh, so I, I'm aware of what's been going on. And, um, you know, I gave her credit that during her testimony, the only thing I saw was in the very beginning, she um, rightfully was truthful when she said, um, yeah, I gave Benjamin the login to my Twitter. He's really good at Twitter. And I was. So if you liked Tamara Leach's Twitter account during the convoy, that was, uh, that was me. And... Um, so it was uh, it was great, you know, like it was, you know, fine. 
But uh, there's, so I've seen a lot of things and I'm just really perplexed with some of the interpretations of events. And, but again, I don't get into it. You know why? We know that um, uh, there are certain pressures, which I'm going to talk about in a second, and which I kind of inferred in my POEC testimony. And, um, but anyways, I want to, I was sent one part of the uh, interview with, uh, with Jordan uh, that I watched, and it was just a small, a short little segment. And because uh, somebody just you know, brought it up to my attention and said, can you believe this? Read, watch this, watch this now. You have to watch it. I'm like, all right, all right, I'll fine, I'll watch it. I'll watch this one little part. And it was, um, it was confusing. Um, I'm not entirely confusing because I think I understand the motivations and why some of this stuff is going on in terms of protecting the narrative. Um, so there was a part, I, was, I think it's 51 minutes in, if I'm not mistaken, and Jordan asks Tamara a direct question. And he said, quote, I'm going to read this, okay? Quote, so let's go back to when you were envisioning the convoy. How did it actually start to come about? Okay? Which is interesting because prior to doing the research for my book, I didn't really know. It was always a little bit vague. and uh, But I was just asked to come in and help with messaging or whatever. Fine. Ended up, unfortunately, doing a lot more than that. But anyways. So, um, and so he says, so let's go back to when you were envisioning the convoy. How did it actually start to come about? And then Tamara responds, miraculously. So we started. I got the Facebook page going. Uh, got the GoFundMe going, and then we had road captains from every province. What those were, were truckers normally, like northern Saskatchewan, northern Alberta, southern Saskatchewan, and they organized their friends and truckers to come, and we would just meet along the highway. Did you see it? You didn't. This is a good example of that phrase that I love. Your, eye, your ears didn't see it but your, or hear it, but your brain did. Or if you're watching it, your eyes didn't see it, but your brain did. Let me do it again. Let me do this again for you and see if you can catch it. All right. So Jordan asks, so let's go back to when you were envisioning the convoy. How did it actually start to come about? And she responds, miraculously. Nervous laugh. Change topic. So we started. I got the Facebook page going and got the GoFundMe going. And then we had road captains from every province. What those were, were truckers normally like northern Saskatchewan, northern Alberta, southern Alberta. And then they organized their friends and truckers to come and we would just meet along the highway. The most important part is in the beginning. Last time. So let's go back to when you were envisioning the convoy. How did it actually start to come about? Miraculously. Change topic. So we started. I got the Facebook page going. Didn't she, he didn't ask about the Facebook page. He asked about how the convoy started. And one of the things that was very interesting is um, putting that together when John was helping, was helping me with the research for the book and put it together. Now, I've talked, I, I'll get back to that in a second. 
Last time, miraculously, changed topic. So we started. I got the Facebook going and blah, 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 blah. I've talked many times on this stream about the seven signs of cognitive dissonance, right? You know a trick for bullshit detection? A very, very good trick for that is when you see vague answers to questions that require a very specific and direct response. Who was there? Where were they? How did it start? Who was communicating? Right? Those are the things that should be answered. And, but it was, the response was miraculously and then changed the topic. Now, I don't know that she's being advised. Well, I know she's being advised. She's not being more than being advised. She's told, being told exactly what she can and cannot say. That's why myself and others who are on the board uh, told them to go screw themselves. So they conspired to kick us off the board because we wouldn't play their game of political BS, right? And we've talked, I've talked about that many times before. And which is why, you know, inevitably there were smears against all of us and whatever, right? So the, the response that Jordan got was miraculously. Now, alternatively, there is another explanation for this, okay? So let's park that response there. How did you start the con vision the convoy? Miraculously, Facebook page, uh, I, we had a Facebook page. She said, I didn't, you know, she said we had one, right? Is that what she said? She said, uh, sorry, I, so we started, I got the Facebook page going. Okay, fine. So she created a Facebook page. Alternatively, um, the side that I've seen repeated consistently all over the place was um, Bridget started on TikTok talking about a convoy because of her experience at the border. And listen, Bridget, I love you. And we both know Bridget's not afraid of friction. And sometimes when it's not even necessary. But, you know, that's that truckers are like that. That's, that's just a very trucker trait, right? Um, so she, because of her experience at the border, and she told the story of the subway where she just delivered to subway and they wouldn't let her use the washroom because of COVID. And that was embarrassing and humiliating. So she went on TikTok and started tweeting convoy 2222 or however she worded, we need to start a convoy, we need to start a convoy. She was doing videos all over TikTok. Simultaneously, Colin was beginning a similar convoy in BC. And when Bridget was reaching out to people, she got in touch, she was connected to, this is how I understand it. Uh, she was connected to uh, a number of other people online, including Chris Barber, and Colin was dealing with his group of people, and they all they eventually found each other. And it was murky, but they because it was there were so many people getting on all at once, and they started to figure out how to cor cor uh, corroborate. And in the case of Bridget, she said, "I had people in four. They had people in four provinces." because uh, she's in Ontario, Collins in BC, and then, but they didn't have anybody for Quebec and the Maritimes, and I can't remember, Bridget will tell this story, uh, I'm sure, but then there were other people who went and got uh, the Maritimes and Quebec on board and whatever. Okay, well, that, that sounds at least like answering the question. How did, uh, the, how, did you, how did you envision the convoy? Well, I was humiliated at the border, 
And then when I crossed the border, I went to a subway. They wouldn't let me use the washroom. I had enough. I got on TikTok and I just started hashtagging convoy 2022 and mandates or whatever it was or end stop COVID and blah, blah, blah. And I connected with other truckers and then we decided this is a good idea. And I think they had 11 truck uh, truckers putting the convoy together before Tamara called, so before Tamara got involved. And then after Tamara got involved, she called me right, a day or so after. So she got involved, uh, apparently reached out to them and told them she was involved in the 2019 convoy, which has some red flags about it as well. And um, set up a GoFundMe page and uh, set up a Facebook page attributed to her name. And then she called me and said, yeah, my, me and uh, a bunch of people, it was vague, again, no specificity, have set up a convoy and okay, fine. Uh, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm against all this nonsense. Um, we've been friends for years. You got, you got it. I'm, I'm there to help. I'm, uh, I'm interested in this. So I don't know. Do you see the contrast? Can you see the difference? Um, now I'm sure there's a lot of people right now getting very angry at me <laughs> and we're going to see this in the future and they're going to say, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of bad things about me, like they they always do. Why? Because you can't listen to me. You can't. You're not allowed to. Because you need to absorb and be brainwashed with a political narrative. Everybody needs to get on board with a political narrative. Now, I didn't go to Ottawa for politics. I went to Ottawa because I was forced to get vaccinated, or my carrier would not have allowed me to drive across the border. I had truck payments. I had expenses. Like, I couldn't afford to do that. It's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, I was, like most of us, coerced. Did I know the vaccine was good or bad? I don't know. I still don't know. I, I don't believe any of the data. I still don't believe any of it. Uh, but I don't like being forced, and I don't like the data tracking. And that, for me, I've said in many interviews, for me, that was a real big one, which was the ArriveCan data tracking app, maybe because I'm more of a techie and I... I understand, I understand data tracking and what it could lead to, right? That's why I was there. And I think what we're starting to see is this bifurcation. Um, and people are starting to see it in real time. Of There was a freedom convoy, and then there was the political convoy. And I guess the political convoy thought that I was a political partisan. No, I care about truth. Uh, I was there for truth, freedom, mandates, and all that stuff. And to do my very best to ensure that everybody was peaceful, that we maintained um, a collective aura that was peaceful and did not have anxiety. That was, I told this to Jordan Peterson on the phone uh, the first time he called me, which I guess it was after the first weekend. And I had been in communication with him uh, prior on something with, uh, with Stephen, Stephen Hicks. And I had met him once before. Uh, so he called and reached out and uh, or we, we got connected to each other and he said, you know, how uh, kind of, he basically said in a very polished language, what are you doing? <laughs> like, how, how are you going to do this? What, what are you thinking? And I said, listen, um, I know how truckers are. I have, uh, you know, yeah, I came from the corporate world and went towards trucking because I got sick of the, the woke bullshit. Um, but I know I have many friends now who've been trucking for many, many years. I have brothers in trucking, whatever. And I know how they are. Uh, they don't take shit. They're very independent. Don't tell them what to do or that's going to blow up in your face. And I said, I, I, 
you know, I said I've done media stuff before. I've I've run large staff of people in a previous company. And I know that mood and behavior, I didn't use that term, but I was getting to that. Mood and behavior is going to be everything. And if I can help everybody focus on a positive mood, uh, positive behavior, positive messaging, then we're all going to be less susceptible to be shifting over into anxiety, right? And if we don't shift over, and that's where stress comes from. You start to get anxious, you get stressed, and then, well, there you have, that's how you could lead to violence. So my goal was to focus everybody to buy into the narrative of peace, love, unity, and freedom. Make it family-friendly, make it non-aggressive, not adversarial towards the government, keep it within that sphere. That's what I was trying to do. And I said to him specifically, you know, when I was a kid, I used to go to Grateful Dead concerts, Fish concerts, Bob Dylan, like that sort of stuff. And it was always that sort of positive experience. And I knew, especially if you go to a Grateful Dead concert, wow, what an experience. Uh, I knew if I could get that sort of positive, loving vibe in Ottawa, you know, something that is similar to Woodstock, like that sort of uh, thing, then I knew uh, there was we would be less likely to shift into anxiety and we wouldn't have any violence. I said, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to focus on just that, keeping everybody calm, happy, and enjoy the experience, right? And uh, while I was doing that, <laughs> there were certain political people trying to flam, uh, fan the flames on the other side, both in the liberals and uh, the conservatives as well, behind the scenes, who are trying to send us talking points. They sent me talking points. Well, you should communicate that uh, the, you're frustrate, the truckers are frustrated because of inflation. I'm like, yeah, thanks, Russ. No thanks. No thanks, buddy. <laughs> I think we got it taken care of at this point, right? Um. Now, I'm sure there's going to be many people who are going to watch this and you get angry at me um, because I'm <clears throat> because I've just, you know, explained this, I don't know, um, inaccurate communication between um, between Jordan and Tamara. Uh, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And this is why. Look, I'm very empathetic and I understand the difficulty of the situation. Uh, there are some people who made a deal with the devil and now they're trapped. I wouldn't make that deal with the devil. That's why I was thrown out and I got a bunch of feds calling me a fed. And, you know, he's, uh, he's a bad guy. You can't trust him. Whatever the smear is of the day, right? It's always a different smear, right? That's how you know it's inaccurate. They do the exact same thing as Justin Trudeau, except their, their uh, basket of smear words is just different, right? But it's the exact same tactic. This is not unique to the left. This is unique to the political class. They all do this. Um, but I inferred in my POEC testimony that a lot of people didn't understand my testimony and it's not your fault because I wasn't there playing to an audience. I treated it like a legal proceeding. And in a legal proceeding is very different. It's not American law. Um, that's a whole long conversation. Again, working on not on record with Joseph Newberger and Diana Davidson and growing up around lawyers, I, I'm a, maybe a little bit more aware of kind of how, how the legal system works. But I inferred in the POEC testimony, and I had to do this because I didn't have standing. I couldn't get up there and do a blog, a blog and just, or a vlog and just talk about what I want. I had to fit within the constraints 
of questions being asked by 20 parties that were all hostile towards me. You saw even uh, the Miller guy was hostile towards me because I'm against, I'm not um, reinforcing a false political narrative, right? So uh, I inferred in that testimony that neither Tamara nor Chris are credible witnesses. Now, this is when people go crazy and they get yelled at you and yell at me and you shouldn't. Um, that's, a, that's a defense of them because they're trapped. They have no choice. So many of us, and you can follow up with the others, with Chris, uh, with Chris Guerra, uh, with Chad Eros, with Bridget, with everybody else who was around there, that now that we were all threatened indirectly, sometimes directly, that if you don't toe the lines, this is by uh, the people around the JCCF and Carpe and uh, oh, the emails from Carpe. <laughs> Those are going to haunt him. Um, but we were told specifically, if you don't do what we say, then we're going to abandon you. And then you have no legal, no legal recourse. You'll have no legal defense. And in the case of Tamara and Chris, they're even more susceptible to this pressure because they have criminal charges. So that week after they got arrested, you know, everyone's like, oh, I've answered this in a bunch of spaces. Why didn't Dichter get arrested? Because Dichter went off and got his own real lawyer. Joseph Newberger, and I called Joseph, and I'm like, okay, I got these clowns as lawyers in Ottawa who are, are screwing with us. I can tell. I just don't know. I haven't put the pieces yet. Uh, two of them of us have been arrested. Tamara's just arrested. Um, I'm, you know, caribou. Anyway, I don't want to get into too much detail because we're going to have a proceeding. But I got on, on the, the phone with him, and I said, um... I need a, a criminal lawyer that's, that's not part of this political game. So he got me on the phone with Chris and we spent, and all week, all week I was on the phone and trying to ensure that there weren't any, because uh, there, there, there was the potential for a warrant, uh, but it never materialized. And it never materialized, I think, because I got a real lawyer to call them and say, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing there at the OPP? What do you think? <laughs> and, and that was it, right? And I think that's when the government just decided to back off because how they thought it would play in their favor didn't play in their favor as it didn't in the, in the Senate, as we saw. Um, but anyways, my point is that both Tamara and Chris uh, are trapped. They are controlled. They have to say what they're told to say. And I empathize with that. I understand how difficult that situation is, irrespective of disagreements that we might have uh, you know, when, when Chris Barber gets on uh, TikTok and starts calling me names and stuff, he doesn't care. He doesn't know me. I barely know him. We spoke three or four times in the convoy. We had a, I don't know, we were cordial. We got along great. Like, it was, we actually got along really well. Uh, I, I didn't have any friction with Chris Barber at all. But now that he's trapped and controlled by the political apparatus, when I say something, he's told to go out and... You know, talk about Dictor, not quite explicitly, I'm sure. But that's what's going on here. They're all trapped. They're all trapped. And anybody you see who's platforming this, um, uh, this narrative is, being, is not being told the truth. Some people might be controlled by the same sort of apparatus. I don't know. We'll find out over time. But that is to say that uh, Greg, Greg Staley from Diverge Media, you got to check it out. Uh, Greg has been working now for eight or nine months on everything that's been going on behind the scenes. 
uh, emails. He's interviewed a bunch of them. He's reached out to a bunch of them. He's trying to do real journalism. I don't think he's going to throw me under the bus. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody questions decisions that we make. And in the fog of war, you, de- you do the best you can. Uh, did I make all the best perfect decisions? I don't know. I think it was pretty good. But, you know, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure we all make mistakes. Um, but he's done a very, very deep dive into this. Check out uh, Diverge Media. I think the domain is divergemedia.com. He's got a, a piece called, um, that was like the overarching umbrella piece, and he's done a bunch of ones since, called uh, Was the Freedom of Convoy Compromised? Check it out. It's definitely worth a read. And uh, it would be very interesting to see what conclusions he's come to uh, since um, since writing that piece and the subsequent follow-up pieces when he releases his documentary, which I think is going to be, I'm going to say April, September, uh, sorry, April, uh, August or September, but I'm not entirely sh- entirely sure. You can f- uh, reach out to Greg on, um, on Twitter or uh, Twitter on Facebook or send him an email for his website. The guy's working really hard. Uh, small independent journalist, he's got four kids at home, works a blue-collar job, uh, but all he cares about is the truth, and he doesn't want Canadians to be lied to, and he doesn't have loyalty p- to political parties, no matter who they are. His loyalty is just to uh, is just to the truth, right? So, oh, I just realized there's another screen of comments that I have. I'm wondering why are the co- comments not moving, and then all of a sudden, uh, I'm like, oh, wrong thing. Um, well, uh, Cheryl, we will always have your back, Ben. Cheryl, thank you so much. You know, you're like the Bitcoin people. The Bitcoin people are awesome too, uh, because they too are not politically partisan. They don't have blind faith in politicians, and uh, they just want to focus on truth. And I think that's what's going. But it's going to take years. We're already a year and a half in. Let's see what happens with Greg's. Um, uh, with Greg's char- uh, with Greg's uh, documentary, um, I do hope that Tamara and uh, Chris Barber are successful and they are not made an example of. I don't think they will be. And uh, but you know, there's there's a bunch of other concerns. I don't really want to get into that. I want to focus on all the positivity. But I just wanted to clarify some of the stuff because I don't think um, a narrative that. I understand certain things can be subjective experiences, but then there's sometimes that things are just, um, they're just factually uh, incorrect. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people hurt by this political class, this political, uh, the group of, you know, political operatives. And I don't like when people get screwed. You know, I I really don't. I feel bad for them. Uh, That's why I worked so hard for many months to help people re- with representation. I'm also helping somebody else uh, figure out his stuff right now, quietly behind the scenes. And uh, because I, I don't want people to be less, left with a bad taste in their mouth as a result of the Freedom Convoy. And remember, and this is the positive part, anytime around the world that somebody like, something like this that is global in nature, uh, the, pol- the political establishment of that country is going to try to intervene and co-opt it and take it over. That's not unique to Canada or the Freedom Convoy. Now, that happens all over the world. Happened The Dutch protesters were dealing with the same thing, but they saw what we went through, and they, you know, they prepared ahead of time 
and we're aware of what could happen. But all of that, uh, all of this does not take away from the amazing moment that that was. And that in my mind, that's what put an end to all the COVID nonsense, right? That was the line in the sand for governments around the world. Because remember, we had uh, convoys that started up in 30, some between 30 and 40 other countries that were supporting us. My, my email and Twitter inbox, I was getting... Uh, somewhere around 10,000. At one point, I got 10,000 messages in an hour. Like, oh my God, what do I do? So, you know, frantically trying to filter and all that stuff. And I was getting so many uh, requests from media sources around the world, ABC, BBC, I-24, DW, uh, the Japanese one, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, there were so many of them. Um, anyways, I mean, there is, what I'm sharing with you is just a tiny tiny fraction there is so much more that's gone on behind the scenes but you also don't want to be a fire hose to people and um you know it's it's when you're when you're involved in it it's easy like bridget knows it's really easy because we were there and we can communicate the most frustrating part is when we try to explain tell people what we went through and they're like Oh, but I I saw on True North that this happened. Like, excuse me, I, that was they're talking about me. I was there. <laughs> oh, Bridget, that's very nice. Bridget says BJ has been a light in a dark place. Well, we're not going to get through all of this stuff if we allow the negativity to get a hold of us, and we also allow people to go uh, without prosecution, uh, without um, representation. Uh, to defend themselves. I don't want, you know, it's like they say in the military, uh, you never leave a soldier behind. Uh, I feel that way about uh, the convoy. And there's lots of people, listen, there's people who suffer from cognitive dissonance. No matter what I say, they're just going to buy into the narrative and they're going to go online and they're just going to, uh, they're going to say bad things about me no matter what. I know that. I, I, I don't really care. Uh, but there are a percentage of people that are willing to change, that are able to change their minds. They're able to understand that, oh, you know, maybe I'm just suffering narrative poisoning, which is what you've all been subjected to for the past year and a half. And maybe I can overcome this narrative poisoning by listening to the other perspectives and, oh, maybe they're actually filling in the gaps and answering some questions. That's what that book is behind me, uh, Honking for Freedom. That's why I wrote the book to fill in a bunch of the gaps for everybody so everybody has an understanding of what Bridget and I um, and Tamara and Chris and everybody else we're dealing with behind the scenes. That's why I put all the positive stories. Uh, there's a little kernel that kind of will hopefully let people understand what was going on on the political side with the lawyers and stuff, but the rest of it, that's all the positive stories and it's written so all of you can share it with your liberal friends and family and hopefully maybe wake some of them up to understand the importance of freedom and respect for one another. All right, uh, I'm at 59 minutes here, so I'm going to run out. I'm going to shut this down, continue on Locals for a couple of minutes because Beth has got some questions or anybody else who has some questions. And I hope that helps answer some questions. Check out Diverge Media, Greg Staley, divergemedia.com. Obviously, the National Telegraph.com uh, as well has been doing some very, very good work. 
and uh, I'll try to be here again, I don't know, tomorrow. So if you have any follow-up questions, uh, let me know tomorrow. And Bridget, thank you for that. Um, BJ has been a light in a dark place. I don't know. I'm just trying to do my best. Have an awesome day, and hopefully this is going to be the best Sunday of your life.